Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome to another study of the book of Proverbs. And yes, uh, we are still in chapter 1. Let's begin reading in in verse 20 and to the end of the chapter. And this is oftentimes uh, referred to in in different Bibles when they break it up as wisdom's warning. And there is warning here. But what we're going to see is that that warning is... It is for our good. It is because God desires good for us. Uh, He takes no pleasure in the the death of the wicked or the struggles of the wicked before they get to the point of death. But he's constantly calling out, not just to some, but to all, that uh, they turn from their wickedness and they turn from their foolishness and they come to know him through Christ. So let's begin Verse 20, chapter 1, Proverbs. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Let's let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this great privilege that is mine to both study and teach from your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the children that are being directed possibly by their parents to to look at and listen to this study. Father, please, please, Lord, give them such a heart that they would love you and in loving you would seek to be conformed to your your will as it is revealed in in your law, in your Proverbs, in the great teachings of our Lord. Father, please help us and help these young people. Oh God, I pray that what goes on here will impact them for eternity and impact your kingdom through them. In Jesus' name, amen. When I say that 
you know, when I ask God to truly impact you, um, look, I, I'm not doing this because I, any other reason except the glory of God, and I want something better for you. I, I want you to know things that, that took me decades to learn. I want you to know them. And I want you to be an instrument of, of God. And, and I want you to see how, you know, we have these examples, don't we, of one person who just made the world a horrible place, whether it be a Hitler or a Mussolini or one of the Caesars, that, that just, just look at the power of one life to do something bad and to, to impact everybody. But then we don't hear so much the stories of one life that um, also impacted the world for good. You have no idea. I say that because I'm old and I have little idea of how much God can use one man, one woman, one young person, as in the case of Samuel, to, to change a nation, to, uh, to impact so many people. And, and please understand me, I'm not just talking about um, uh, preachers or missionaries or Bible teachers or theologians or, or Greek and Hebrew experts. Uh, I'm talking about people from all walks of life. Um, I have so many friends that, you know, whether they're in my mind right now, I could call their names. A, a carpenter that has impacted and helped so many people in our church. Uh, a doctor. One who just did has done surgery twice on me. Um, if it just his life and and when you go in the hospital, everybody knows him as a kind and loving man, as a man very very good in his craft, as a man who loves Jesus Christ. Just the impact you can have in all manner of life, but it's all going to depend not only on what comes out of your mouth what they see in your life. And that's why we're here. I'm hoping that God will raise up, yeah, preachers, and missionaries, because they're still a big part of the world. It doesn't have a gospel proclamation. But also every manner of, of person and profession. Um, I think also of, of just stay-at-home moms, who, whether they homeschool or not, they, they've devoted themselves to being an influence on their children. Just, you know, if he said that a cup of cold water given in his name would not lose its reward, he's also indicating that it would have a great impact somehow. So if a cup of cold water can have an impact on the kingdom, how much more a life, a life given over to Christ. But now here's something. Zeal without knowledge is deadly. Paul the Apostle taught us that. Um, there are a lot of people who do a lot of zealous things in the name of God, but actually they're contrary to the will of God. You don't want to be that way. You want to do that which is according to his will. And how can you do that? Well, again, I sound like a broken record, don't I? But it's, it's the word of God. I wish I knew more of the word. I really do. All right. Having said that, now we talked about Look in verse 22, we talked about naive ones, simple-minded ones, who loved being simple-minded. And we talked about how oftentimes they turn into scoffers and how they not only do...
do not want wisdom for themselves, but they can't stand it when someone else uh, walks in wisdom or walks in righteousness. Then we have the, another designation. It's a fool. who uh, That's not someone who can't learn. It's someone who won't learn. And they won't learn because they love their darkness. Now, we go to 23, and um, let's look at what we have here. Verse 23. Wisdom cries out, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Now, this is really encouraging. Have you ever thought, you know, that you've gone so far that you couldn't be helped? You know, that you've you've burnt so many bridges behind you that, well, there's no turning around. That, that maybe you are simple-minded and you are a scoffer and you are a fool. And you say to yourself, well, Wisdom's done with me. No, it's not. Wisdom is not done with you. And I know it from verse 23, because who, to whom is she speaking? Right here. She says, she says, turn to my reproof. She's saying, turn around. So it's obviously people going in the wrong direction. And actually, it's the ones described in 22. Naive ones, those who love being simple-minded, scoffers, and fools. And even people who hate knowledge, she's saying, still, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. As long as you have breath, there's, there's hope. Please, you are going to, in your life, you're going to come to so many times where you recognize, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And the devil is going to basically say to you, yes, you're wrong. It's hopeless now. When God tells you you're wrong, it's not hopeless. It's always, you're wrong. And he may say it with very hard language. But he says, now turn, turn back, turn back to me, come to me. Though you've done all this, though you've been this way, turn back to me. So in 23, he says, turn to my reproof. Now, the word reproof here, okay, it sounds very religious, doesn't it? It, it means to my rebuke. When I tell you you're wrong, don't run away. Don't have a pity party. A lot of people do that. You tell you tell your child you're wrong and they go, well, woe is me. And they, they sulk. That is that is a sinful response. It really is. It's no different than yelling at your parents because they told you you're wrong. You're, you're just having a pity party and it's wrong. It, it means to rebuke. It, it, it Also, the word is scold. Where it's like, look, you are wrong. You're really wrong. You've done this and you did it willingly. You see? Now, don't respond to that by saying you hurt my feelings. Are you going to constantly look for excuses? I've heard people say this, you know, well, I know I was wrong, but he told me the wrong way. Really? You're going to use that excuse? Well, I know the doctor was right when he said I had cancer, but he was just so rude in the way he said it. I'm not going to listen to him. Really? How's that going to work out for you? Not going to work out very well. Quit having a pity party. Quit going to your room and saying, woe is me. Everybody's against me. Sometimes your parents, sometimes your friends, sometimes God is going to have to say very hard things to you because it's exactly what you need to hear. You're wrong. You're as wrong as you can be. And then hopefully when you try to justify yourself 
they're going to say, I don't care. I don't care. You're wrong. Remember, justification, us making an excuse for our sin, is from the very beginning. Remember Adam? He sinned, didn't he? And who did he blame? You say, oh, he blamed his wife. He, he blamed Eve. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He blamed God. He said, the woman that you gave me, if you hadn't given me that woman, or you had given me a better woman, my life would have been different. Do you see that? You're not blaming Eve. He's blaming God. So when someone rebukes us, scolds us, another word is upbraids us. I mean, it hurts. It's like, I don't know if any of you know what a ho horse rasp is, but horse hooves are pretty big. And uh, we use a rasp about, it's about a, two feet long. And I mean, it will take off some hoof. I actually use the same rasp to take off wood when I'm making a longbow. And boy, if you ever run that thing across your leg, it, it'll, it'll leave a mark. It'll leave a mark that'll last for weeks. It hurts. That's kind of like the idea of upbraiding or censoring you or chiding you. But just remember this, when someone talks to you, rebukes you, tells you you're wrong. Okay, let's say that they were overly angry. Let's say that your parents had had enough. And in telling you that you were wrong, they went too far and were actually sinful. So, so what? So that's going to determine whether or not you recognize it. Listen, don't ever use that excuse, young person. It's deadly. And, and it, once you use it, you'll start using it over and over and over again. The only question to be asked is, is it true? Is it true? And if it is, deal with it. Yeah, they got their problems, but what they said about you is true. So you need to deal with it. Now, how do you know it's true? Because there's a lot of people flinging accusations that aren't true. You know it's true because it's in the scriptures. You've got to see it in the scriptures. So when you're telling someone they're wrong, make sure you've got the scriptures. Make sure you're using scripture and make sure you're not twisting scripture. But but don't worry so much about the way they told you. I've had so many people say, well, you know, you were you were so hard when you preached that. And I said, well, but was it true? If you can show me where I wasn't just hard, but I was rude and unbiblical, then I will repent. But that still doesn't take away from the fact that you need to ask the question, is it true? Is it true? Okay, now, see, what I'm trying to do is save you from all the excuses that we make and I've made. Because the only way we're going to grow is to sometimes open ourselves up to the wounds the hard words that tell us we're wrong. But, but here's, the, here's the wonderful thing. Wisdom is coming to you and saying, look, you're this way. You're a fool. You're a scoffer. You're simple-minded and you love it, but turn to me. You say, well, that's so judgmental. No, that's not judgment. You know what judgment is? Judgment is when wisdom says, I'm not even going to say anything. Forget it. Just let them go their own way. You know, one of the greatest acts of love of a parent is not to let you go your own way when your own way is wrong. And when a parent doesn't stop you and it's in their power to do so, it's not love. 
not love for you anyways. When I've taught that to my sons, they've said, well, mom must love us a lot because she stops us from going our own way so many times. Yeah. All right, now let's look. She says uh, in verse 23, turn to my reproof. Now look, look at the word turn here. Um, you've heard the word repent, right? Like repent of your sins. Well, the, the idea there is a change, whether it's metanoia, a change of mind, or it's, you know, this just simple idea of turning, of making an about face, of not not a 360 degree and you end up going in the same direction, not spinning you around, but turning you 180 degrees. You were going that way, go that way. You were going away from God and going away from God's will, turn around and come back to it. Now, she says, um, when, when we talk about turn, when she calls us to turn, what, what does that mean? First of all, we're not going to turn unless we recognize that what wisdom is telling us is true. Do you believe the scriptures? And when the scriptures tell you you're wrong, you're going down a wrong path, do you recognize it? Are you willing to recognize it? And then secondly, it's not just recognizing, yeah, I know I'm going down a wrong path, but it's too late. No, it's not. Turn around. Turn around. That excuse you're using is just adding sin to sin. Turn now. You say, well, I will turn. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. The longer you stay on that path, the harder it's going to be to turn. Turn immediately. Respond immediately. Drop your sword, drop your battle, throw up a white flag, and turn around. Okay? Don't dig your heels in and don't run. Just turn around. Acknowledge you're wrong. Mom, I'm wrong. Dad, I'm wrong. Brother, sister, I'm wrong. Friend, I'm wrong. And most importantly, God, I'm wrong. But what we'll do sometimes is, yeah, I'm wrong, but you didn't see what they did to me. Well, it doesn't matter. Again, not in this sense, not in this context. First of all, if you responded wrong to what they did wrong, it just means you're both wrong. And you don't need to wait for them to repent before you do. You need to turn now. Turn now. Now, this command here, where it says, turn to my reproof, it can also be translated not as a command, but as a plea, as, as an expression. Let me... Let me here we have turned to my reproof, but it can be translated this way. If only you would respond to my rebuke. Do you see what it's saying here? It's an expression of wisdom's desire to see good for you. If only you would turn to my rebuke. If only you'd turn back to me. And so you can see wisdom and more importantly, God is crying out. He, he desires the best for you. He truly does. In Jeremiah 29, 11, write this down if you don't have time to turn. Jeremiah 29, 11, listen to what God says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this is spoken to Israel when Israel was very, very sinful and under judgment. And God says, look, I, I, this is not my plan for you. That you be rebellious and yet you that you reap what you've sown and that reaping be destruction. That's, that's not my desire. I desire so much more for you. And that's why I'm rebuking you. And that's what wisdom is saying. If only, if only you 
would turn. If only you would turn. Uh, look for a moment. Just um, We're in Proverbs. If we look over here at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, Deuteronomy is like the second law. It's like a, a renewing of the covenant. Okay, there was Exodus. Remember, we got the law in chapter 20. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, again, the law. And But there's a, a passage that's there that's just beautiful, that oftentimes is overlooked. After God gives them the law, talking about the Ten Commands, the Ten Words, he says this, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Do you see a desire there? Do you see a passion? What do you see? Do you see a God who's saying, oh, I just want to destroy everybody? No. You see a God who is crying out, oh, if only they had the heart to listen to me. Because my desire is that they be blessed. You see? And, and guess what? You know why... I teach my sons and my daughters. Do you know why I warn them? Do you know sometimes why I discipline them? It's because I want the best. I want the best for them, which is walking in the very center of God's will. Yes, it is. That's the best. Even if they die as martyrs, the very best they can experience is to be right with God and walking with God. Now, Look at uh, look as he goes on, as wisdom goes on. Turn to my reproof. Why? She says, behold. Now, <laughs> you should pay attention to everything in the scriptures. But every once in a while, we get something like, behold, pay attention. Pay special attention. Okay? It's like when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you. Well, everything he said was true. But when he says, truly, truly, or amen, amen. It means, man, you better really listen. And she says, look, look over here. Why am I telling you to turn from your ways? Why am I telling you you're wrong? Why am I telling you to change? It says it right here. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. So, so we've got these people who've already been described as simple-minded, naive, loving simplicity, simple-mindedness. We've got people who are fools. We've got people who are scoffers. And she's saying, stop it and turn to me. And what will she do? She'll pour out her spirit upon them. She'll make her words known to them. She will give them the knowledge of God and the correct disposition. And she will give them the power to walk with God. If you will turn, turn, turn. And let me say this again. Turn without excuses. It doesn't matter. Turn without an excuse. I'm wrong, period. Don't say I'm wrong in this, but not in that. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Just I'm wrong. And turn. And stay turned. Stay looking. Stay beholding wisdom. You know, when you see a man who seems extremely, you know, just devoted to the word or a woman extremely devoted to the word, you think they're strong. They're just more disciplined than you. No, no, they're, they're weaker than you. They, they, or at least they've acknowledged their weakness. They know that they have no wisdom apart from God's wisdom and no strength apart from God's strength. So they're unwilling to walk independently. They're unwilling to just live according to their own wisdom or the wisdom of this world. They're unwilling to seek to obey God in their own strength. They're just 
constantly turned and beholding God. God, direct me. God, empower me. God, strengthen me. God, help me. Please see that. It, it's, it's for your good. Now, let me say this. Um, there's no limit to the knowledge and power of God that we can acquire. We've yet to see, other than the person of Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, we've yet to see anyone grow as they could grow, to know God as they could know God, to, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way that they could be. None of us, none of us. I've read the biographies of so many men, and, and all of them at the end of their life had regrets. I should have prayed more. I should have studied more. I should have believed more. You know, and uh, I used to listen to these old preachers and they would say to us young men, you could be the first. Why don't you make that your goal? To be a man, to be a woman who has sought to exhaust, to find every bit of knowledge possible in the scriptures that one can find and every bit of the character and the power of God that one can obtain. Why don't you... Make that your goal. I know, I know, everybody, you know, wants to be a muscle man or everybody wants to be wealthy or everybody wants to be beautiful or this or that and chasing after things that are temporal and really don't matter a bit. Not in eternity anyways, but the wise are going to say, you know what, I will be the one. Not in pride, but just kind of maybe a secret commitment. Lord, I know that I'm the weakest of all, but let me chase after this one thing. Conformity to the character of your son. Let me chase after it. You see, and um, I'm going to get in trouble for going so long, but look what it says. Now, this is the new covenant. If you're a Christian, you're in the new covenant. I don't have time to explain all that, but look what it says. Verse 33 of Jeremiah 31. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law. I'll put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Here, God is promising to teach us. It doesn't mean we don't need teachers. That's not what that's saying, because going to, whether it's the Old Testament or the New, we need teachers. God has raised up teachers. Ephesians 4. We need pastors. What he's saying is that if you're trusting in Christ through the new heart he's given you, through the new mind, through the power of the Holy Spirit, using the word of God, you can have an extraordinary knowledge of God. And in the spirit, an extraordinary power to carry out the word of God. Oh, you know what my desire is? I hope you pass me. I just hope you go so far beyond anything I've ever thought of attaining. And you can, you're young. Please give yourself to this. All right. Well, we went too long and I'm in trouble again. 
But uh, I hope this is helpful, and we'll continue uh, in our next study. Uh, one more verse uh, farther on in the book of Proverbs. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.